You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 66 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest is none other than Marcus Chan. Marcus Chan is the president and founder of Venly Consulting Group, and really the my favorite type of guest because not only did Marcus get started in retail sales, which is always near and dear to my heart because that's how I got started in sales, but Marcus is like the antithesis of a professional salesperson, somebody who stumbled into a profession, decided that they were going to get really good at it and got really good at it, executed, executed in the real world. Marcus has, has done the work as, as we like to say. And when you hear this episode, you're going to understand why Marcus's decision to, to now be a sales coach makes so much sense because he's been there, he's done the things, he knows about what it takes to get the job done, and he's a fantastic communicator and can really motivate you. If you don't leave this episode feeling jacked up and motivated to go get after it, I don't know. You're probably listening to something else. So I understand you might not be able to listen to the entire episode right now. So if you're popping in for the snack break sales tip, here it is, Marcus Chan. So one really, really uh, simple sales tip. And and this tip I'm going to share, it's only because uh, I know we have a lot of SDRs probably on the call listening, right? And um, the most frustrating thing, for, I think, for the SDRs, you, do, you bust your tail you finally booked that appointment. You are high-fiving yourself and your buddies around you. And then come that day, they no-show you. Mm. That's the worst, okay? So I'm going to teach you a very simple technique. I call it the hypnotist. The hypnotist. It's very simple, okay? So it's going to sound kind of weird as I explain it, but when I go through it, it'll make more sense. But essentially, you're going to say the date and time like five to seven times before you hang up. But you're not going to just say it over and over and over. The mistake many people make is they say, okay, James, see you Thursday at 8. They're like, cool, see ya. Boom. That's, they're, they're off. So you, you confirm the date and time. You've already handled their objections. Okay, cool. So now you say, this is how you wrap it up now. This is where you insert the hypnotist. You say, okay, hey. So James, hey, looking forward to seeing you Thursday at 8. If anything pops between Thursday at 8, let me give you my cell. Do you have a pen handy? They're going to say, Sure. Great. They grab a pen. Okay. So again, you know, Marcus with Venley Consulting. My number is 541. Again, 541. Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you Thursday at 8. If anything pops up between now and Thursday at 8, just give me a call. call. Does that sound good? Great. Also, just to be super organized here, let me get your email address as well, and I'll send you over an invite for Thursday at 8, in case you didn't already have it, right? Or if you already do have it, just say, hey, just, just make sure I got your email right. Is this the right email? Perfect. I'll send you an email on Thursday at 8. And just to be super efficient, aside from yourself, is there anyone else that needs to be part of this meeting to move the meeting forward if you love what I show you on Thursday at 8? They're going to say, powerful. they're like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just me. Or I got I to bring Johnny. Great. 
Let me also get Johnny's email as well. Cool, awesome. I'll send you guys both the invite. Looking forward to seeing a Thursday day in case Annie pops up. Either email me back or give me a call. Sound good? Great, awesome. See you Thursday. Day. Boom. If you notice there, I did that literally probably eight, nine times, right? You don't have to do that to that level. Yeah. But what happens is when you hear something seven times, you are more likely to remember it. A fantastic snack break sales tip on the power of repetition in order to really shore up those meetings. Look, that's an actionable tip if I've ever heard one. So if you've got to go, get back to the work, get back to the phone, get back to the desk, whatever you need to do, then come back, listen to episode 66 with Marcus Chan. If you're sticking with me here, there is no reason to put this off any further here we go. Episode 66 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Enjoy. All right, folks, here we are. I've got Marcus Chan with me for episode 66 of the Lunch Break Podcast. And let me tell you, right before we hit record, you know, Marcus is somebody like, I literally just talked to him for the first time and we're already vibing. I already feel his energy. Uh, I've been following his content on LinkedIn. You know, he's a true sales practitioner and those are the types of folks that I want to bring on the lunch break podcast. So Marcus, thanks so much for taking the time to join me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on James. Appreciate it and excited for all listeners for listening in on your lunch break or whenever you're listening to this. Absolutely, man. So let's dive right into this thing because I think you have some fantastic stories to share. <laughs> I do. Marcus, how did you get started in sales? Yeah, that's a great question, right? So, um, and, and I'll start with my first type of like real job I had, right? So I grew up working my parents' restaurant. That's just what we did, right? Um, and you, you do all types of roles. And that was really, really cool. But uh, my first like actual, like even taste of sales, like I have never, I never worked for anybody else. It was selling Speedos at a Speedo store, right? A retail job. That's yep. the first job I had. It was a lot of fun in college, right? So that was a time of fun where, um, you know, I worked between classes. Then on weekends, I actually would wake up, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, uh, drive the store, load uh, a 1991 Ford Ranger pickup truck <laughs> with like, Speedos and gear, drive an hour, two hours to like a local city or town for a swim meet. Set up stands all day, sell them all day, work till like 6, 7 p.m., drive home, do it again the next day. So that's kind of my, my first taste in the sales. And, but that was like in college. That was like, I mean, I don't consider that like, you know, like real B2B sales, right? That was a retail sale. People yeah. were coming to me, right? Yeah. So my first real taste, though, to really B2B sales really was 2007 when uh, I was working for a startup division of a major large Fortune 500 company. B2B sales, brand new, uh, and they, they wanted me to go out there and grow this business, right? And basically, I had to go secure contracts for people that rented, rented and leased box trucks and pickup trucks. Got that it. was my very first taste of sales, get into it, no idea what I was doing, right? Because I was used to, I had done retail sales now for a little bit. Yep. So I, I was used to people coming in. When you had to go find customers, find prospects, and you're, you're basically a no-name and convince them to, to work with you, all during the time when the economy was falling apart, 2007, 2008, not, not so fun, really. But I learned a ton, had a lot of success doing that, uh, ended up getting promoted multiple times from there, um, you know, built multiple seven-figure businesses, you know, over the, next course, the course of the next three, four years. 
then got recruited to a different company where um, they're also a large company as well. And they're at the time about $4.5 billion company. Was there as an outside sales rep, became a sales manager, sales director, leading a team of uh, 110 plus people over multiple states. We did about nine figures of rev, revenue per year. So mm. uh, a lot of fun with that. And now I left that, now I have my own business where I, I train, develop salespeople to absolutely crush it in sales. It's fantastic, man. And, and you know, I, <clears throat> I have a special place in my heart for sales professionals that started out in retail, right? Because that's <laughs> how I got started out too. You know, I uh, was selling batteries at Radio Shack, you know, that's and it. Yeah. Um, it, it breeds a certain level of anti-fragility, right? Because you're just, that face-to-face -face rejection is different than over-the-phone rejection. Totally. And, and, and there are definitely parts, like you mentioned, to B2B sales where you're going out and you're finding business, you know, that is different. Right. Um, but, you know, just that, that anytime you have to deal with the public, the general public. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the general public, how they think, some of the questions that may ask, right? You're kind of like, this kind of seems really obvious. <laughs> yeah. But that's totally fine. But also, uh, you learn things like, hey, how can I read their body language? Obviously, when you when like when there's someone walks into a retail facility, say it's like a Macy's, you all hate we all hate that feeling when someone approaches us, right? We're like, oh no, they're about to sell me. You know, like you can read the body language. So how do you read it? How do you neutralize it? How do you gain trust quickly and be a helpful professional, right? Yeah. That's how I viewed I didn't view it as I didn't view it as an hourly job, which it was, but I viewed it as being a professional to provide a service and represent that company. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about that. So, because I'm sure there are millions and millions of people who have had some sort of job similar to selling Speedos or oh, selling yeah. batteries, and, they, and, and it never became anything, right? right? They went on to their next thing and maybe they became an artist or maybe they ended up doing something completely different. Um, or, I know a lot of these people, unfortunately, that remain in sales mm -hmm. and could give a shit less about being a professional about it. So nice. <laughs> um, where did that mindset come from? Like where, what made you in college, this first job you had, say, you know what? I'm not just an hourly worker here. I'm a mm -hmm. professional and I'm going to be committed to this. Where, where does that come from, man? Yeah, that's a great question, right? And um, I think a lot of it got instilled early on from my parents, right? And I saw growing up in the restaurant, whatever, whatever, like, you know, task or job we were signed with, like my first role was to go out and like bust tables, right? So I'm six years old busting tables. Yep. Okay. So, and, and I knew like, because my parents explained it to me that way, I wasn't just cleaning tables, right? I was making sure it was a good clean experience for the customers, Right. Mm -hmm. So at six years old, you start learning these little things where like it may seem so insignificant. Right. But by being intentional, you, you, you do the best dang job you can in every single role. So whether I was a dishwasher or a chef or they, they gave me an old rusty kitchen, I had to go outside and, and cut weeds. Right. <laughs> we right. We were poor. We didn't have a weed whacker. Right. Sure, I did yeah. the best dang job possible. Right. So. Yeah. And that applies to when I went into selling Speedos or any role I've been in. Well, I'm like, you know what? It's that ownership mentality, right? Yeah. Because I also saw by example when the dishwasher didn't come in as a kid, right? Um, I'm pitching in. My dad's pitching in. We're all pitching to make sure the machine, the restaurant keeps going, 
right? It didn't matter that wasn't our job. We all need to pitch in. It's that ownership mentality. So I took that uh, when I was at, at the Speedo store, right? So it was from providing care to my customers to even like, you know what, like I have downtime right now. Like I, I it was one of those things where there were things that I didn't have to do, but I would do. So I would go and I'll just start reorganizing all the racks, making sure it was tidy and clean and, and sorted and just rearranging things because I'm like, they're paying me. Like I should do something. Yes. I'm not going to do nothing. Yeah. So yeah. that's where it no. started. I love it. I love it. And, and, it, and it's such a game changer when you can, if you didn't grow up that way, if you didn't get exposed to hard work or the framing of what, a, a, what can seem like an insignificant job really is, you know, there, that's still something that's so easy to turn on. You could flip that switch at any moment. And literally, if you're listening to this right now and you've been, you know, the last six months have been, goofing off and not taking it seriously you could literally wake up tomorrow and say you know what no i'm gonna come in my desk is gonna be organized i'm gonna right. show up on time you know all of those things that really in my opinion have been responsible for the most growth in my career it's not even like pinned on my skills as a salesperson it's the surrounding you know i care about it i've got an ownership mentality and it sounds like that's carried you through your career and you know, that, that transition of being kind of a superstar salesperson, really good at being an individual contributor, and then moving into to a management role. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that, what that was like. Because, you know, the places you did it at, they were, like you said, very large corporations. Mm -hmm. You ended up leading a team of over 100 reps. Yeah. So uh, what was that transition like for you? Yeah. So uh, fortunately, I made that transition really early on initially, right? So Got it. Um, so when I graduated, I went, went to go work for that startup, right? And it was interesting. So, um, you know, first I absolutely struggled and then I started winning after a few months, right? I started figuring out how to do the job yep. and they, they did this thing where they give you a fake promotion, which is like, Hey, uh, <laughs> we want you to, uh, go over here and take over this team, but we're not going to change your title or your pay, but we want you to turn this team around and lead them. So you are technically leading them but we can't change anything in this HR system. I'm like, okay, all right. So, so I'm excited because I want to show ownership. I want to make massive impact, right? And at this yeah. point, I had been number one at least three months in a row. So I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna take over this team that's been underperforming. And these are my peers, we're, we're all peers basically. And I remember because, you know, like if we gotta take so much ownership, I had mapped out my 30, 60, 90, 180 day plan. I'm ready to go. and. I, I was like, this is why they're not performing. So day one, I'm, I'm like, all right, guys, we're in this together, but here's our plan. We're going to do A, B, and C, D, D. We're going to do all these things because you guys have seen me win. We're going to win together. And they all looked at me like I was, I was an idiot, right? And they were pissed. I mean, I could tell they were pissed. So uh, I remember like going home that day, and they really, really didn't say anything, really. So I went home that day, and um, I told my girlfriend, wife now, to my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, I – don't think I could be a manager. Like I was like, I think it's right. I, I peaked out. Straight up. I, I peaked out 21 guys. Like that's it. I, I, I can, I can't leave people. Like, and mm. she's like, she, she kind of looks at me like I'm an idiot. She's like, well, did you ask them maybe what they thought about, you know, what should be changed? I'm like, mm. well, no, cause they would have done it. You know? <laughs> so yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was an aha for me. Right. So I went back, apologized next day. 
and um, you know, and really just uncovered what their ideas were, uncovered what they saw to be the root problems, right? And then we worked mm-hmm. together, and then uh, we started turning some results, results, and eventually, six months later, we became number one, right? Our team became number one. Now, um, it wasn't as simple as I break it down like that, but <laughs> sure, yeah, sorry. I mean, no, you're fine. But the the point was is um. Um, that transition was, that was my first taste into it. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, one of the things that I've always taken pride in myself is I'll take action. Right. Even if I don't have all the facts, which can hurt me sometimes. <laughs> so I'll take action. You know what? Like I have a good plan. Let's go. So I'll go and I'll make mistakes and I'll pivot, which is totally fine. And that's why I did a lot of crashing and burning as a, as a leader early on. Yeah. But, I, but the thing was, because I wasn't afraid to make mistakes, I learned much faster. And that helped me as a leader, right? And then from there, um, I was fortunate in a situation where I got placed in after, after I turned that location around. I went to two, two other operations, did the same thing. I turned them all around. Okay. So that gave me an opportunity to learn how to go into a rough situation, gain trust quickly, to establish credibility, and then build a plan that's going to make sense long-term wise and execute the plan. Right. Mm. And so later on when I started running bigger teams, it wasn't really a complex thing because I knew. Yeah. Right. I knew, I, I knew exactly what it was. And, and I also knew, I, antici- I anticipated what people would try to dog before. Right. Mm. And anticipation is the ultimate power. Right. So, and when you can anticipate, you can change and you can pivot and you can build plans in anticipation of what's going to happen. It's a very powerful thing altogether. No, yeah. No, I love it. And, and it, you know, developing that, <clears throat> you know, that's a really unique thing that you have highlighted. And I think it's something that doesn't really ever specifically get talked about when we talk about career growth. But mm-hmm. you developed, like, not only within being a sales manager and a sales professional, within that, you developed a skill of, turning locations around like you were the yeah. turnaround king right that's what, and that's what happened yep and 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 when you develop a skill within a skill mm-hmm. right when you're a good sales manager but you're a good sales manager because you know how to do x y and z that's and it. you've done it and you can do it repeatable over and over whoo is that not mm-hmm. a career changer right oh, because it skyrockets you yeah right? yeah it skyrockets you and in the, in the reality this is um it's more, it's like knowing, like, like doing it's one thing, but knowing what you did is a totally different thing. Mm. And to be able to communicate exactly what you did in a very tactical way is a very powerful thing. And this allows you to become a high level leader because now you can not just lead reps, you can lead leaders of leaders and leaders and leaders of other leaders, right? So you can transcend the message and into more than just one person, right? And, and all, more, more importantly, transcend the message and get them to take action. Mm. That's the hard part, right? Yes. That's the hard part. Yeah, for any leader, right? It's like, I can stand up here all day and wave mm. my hands around and I can send the emails and keep the boards updated, but I can't make them do anything. Right. Well, you know, if you're anticipating and you're leading and you're being strategic about kind of how you're running things, I think you can get to that point. And and you obviously did. And were there, I guess maybe a better question at what point, you know, so you had 
kind of gone through this process, you identified this ability, hey, I, I now know I can walk into pretty much any scenario, assess the situation, develop a plan and execute it. I have to believe that's kind of what led you to starting your own thing up, right? Because that's almost the next logical step, right? Why do that for somebody else? Yes. Well, and and here's the thing, right? And I think before I got to that point though, right? There, I think naturally there's still insecurity, right? And what I mean by that is, um, so I've only worked for two companies in the last 14 years. Okay. My first company I worked for, for six years and I was doing quite well before I got recruited to my other company. Right. And, um, it was interesting because when, when I went, when I changed companies, um, it was a step down in role and responsibility, right? But I saw the huge opportunity where it could take me. So, and when I, when I made that jump, I was like, I was a little scared. I was like, maybe I'm just a one hit wonder. Like mm. maybe I, I can only perform at this other company in yeah, this in industry. The, yeah. In right? the, with the, these certain variables with, and right, whatever. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh man. So I wasn't really sure, but I, I, you know what? Let's go for that gamble. So I, I made the jump. It was a calculator risk, right? And then from there, I, I had to go back and reprove myself in selling. I'm like, I'm like, can I still sell? Do I know? Do I know what it takes? <laughs> like, maybe I got lucky. I don't know, right? Like, yeah. So was able to perform pretty quickly, and then a sales manager role opened up, right? Um, within like, uh, actually, I'll, I got, I can promote in nine months, which doesn't really happen. But I can promote in nine months in that company, yeah. right? Running the team that I was on, and I didn't know at the time. But that team was the worst team in the region, in the, our region, the worst region in the company. So we were the West, worst team in the company, is what it turns out. So, 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 suddenly, so just to be clear, you left, yeah. a, you, you left a role that you were doing really well at, very yeah. successful. Yeah. Take an individual, you, you, you left a leadership role to take an individual yes. contributor yeah. role on the worst team at the yeah. company with enough foresight to see that. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to have faith in myself and, uh, hey, my parachute is, is, is me, right? And there's really yes. nothing else there. I love that, man. Yeah. Well, what's crazy about this, at the time when I made that leap, you know, I didn't necessarily see it that way. I saw that, hey, you know what, like all the leaders I interviewed with, I'm like, I love them. Mm-hmm. Big fans, saw the potential, great company, right? And I looked, aside from the leaders, the company is very strong, it's able, still is, they're crushing the company. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, this makes a lot of sense because of where I want to go, the level of comp, the equity I want, all these things of building wealth and roles I want to get into, I could do with this company. Yeah. So when I made that leap, it was great. But what got rules hairy was six months in when my sales manager quit, my director quit, both directors quit, my VP quit. So everyone that interviewed me that I had trusted, that actually knew my background, were gone. I'm like, crap. No one else knows anything I've done in the past. It's irrelevant. Like, what got me here won't keep me here, right? Mm. So I really had to figure out and earn that role. And once I got, got earned that promotion, I somehow got that promotion, became the sales manager. And I'm, that, then I'm like, okay, can I really do this? Mm. Like, can I really turn this team around, right? Like, this is a different industry now. This is this different. Like, can I, can I do it, right? So... And only after I was able to do that, right, and just continue to win every single year and then do it again in, on, a, on a regional level, right, that's when I realized for sure I can do this, right? That's when I realized. I'm like, okay, these, what I'm bringing to the table, this is not a one-head wonder anymore. These are tactical things that I can apply across the board no matter the industry because I found at the end of the day when you're in leadership, it's really about 
leading your people and managing your processes, mm -hmm. right? And if you have really good people to lead, you're, that's number one. And number two, you have a really good process. If you have really good processes, those keep things in place. So you need both, right? Uh, but if you understand that concept, then I can apply the same, the same across the board. So then from there, um, in our regional world, I was able to turn around a lot of locations, right? Because now multiple locations of influence, right? So I had 11 teams. So yeah. I, I could turn, turn, turn around, turn around, turn I could just start turning these teams around. So it, it showed me I can not only do directly, but I can also influence a leader, right? To run the playbook I ran and become a top forming operation. Right. So, and that from there, it gave me more confidence. And by doing that, because I was not role for about four years, every single year that showed me that I could do it consistently. Right. And then from there, it, it made a much easier transgression knowing that confidence, having those references, I was able to do it multiple times, gave me confidence to do it. Does that still, does that mean I never get imposter syndrome? Still happens. I'm like, man, can I do this? Like, I'm, yeah. am, am I a Gary Vaynerchuk? Am I with these, these guys? Like, let me let me just go back and just go back to corporate America. That happens. Normal. It's just what happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. We're human. Well, you know, I think it's a symptom of of taking those risks. And ooh, if if you know, because there definitely is two ways that you could have gone, man. You could oh, yeah. have gone the safe corporate route and gotten yeah. a gold watch probably in 20 years, right? And, right. and um but, but you trusted your gut again, you know, kind of as you have through each phase, right? And each, each time you've done it, the stakes have been higher and the, and the next thing is, is, is more intense and there's more risk and there's more unknown. But every time you do it, you prove to yourself that you come out the other side. And I think, you know, it's a fantastic narrative, dude. And, and I, I love, that's why I love your content. And I remember that post mm, because... Yeah you know, where all your leadership left, because that, I, I, that probably happens to so many people oh, yeah. with the way that VPs of sales get let go these days and, and boom, a year and a half, two years, you're out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So man, it's, it's something else when, when you can kind of look back and say, okay, uh, you know, this combination of things has led me to this point where I'm, I'm able to kind of wake up and do what I'm passionate about, man. So talk oh, yeah. to us a little bit, you know, uh, about what you're doing now and where you kind of see it going for the future. hundred percent. Right. And I just want to add like one thing to that piece too. Right. Cause for some people in the audience, right. It's like, they, they, some people might be thinking, well, you know what, like, you know, Marcus is, you know, that's just how he's wired. Here's, here's what I firmly believe. Right. And that's why I share a lot of stories about struggle and going through tough challenges because I started very disadvantaged, right? From not being able to speak till I was four years old, having a speech impediment, to getting teased and made fun of the whole time growing up. That was just how life was. Growing up in fear, right? Fear of living in poverty, fear of being poor, fear of like having to go just like live in a back of a restaurant. Like those are real fears. And what I firmly believe, no matter your background, everything you do either will add to your confidence or remove from your confidence. It's every little decision you make, right? So for example, it's like if you just if your alarm goes off at whatever time, you decide to hit snooze, you just took away a little bit of confidence for you, from yourself of being able to say, you know what, I can get up and take action today, right? When you decide to not pick up that dial, you decide to yourself again that you are too scared to make a dial, right? But when you make that dial, when you wake up, you do those things you don't want to do, 
that builds your confidence over time. And, and enough of these micro, the more micro decisions you make, they compound. And then when you make big decisions, like, you know, uh, starting your own company, changing companies, you know, uh, applying for that role that maybe you think you're underqualified for, right? Now you build even more confidence in yourself because you have references that help you be really successful. That's a really a big piece. So that's why I want to add to that piece. Yeah, um, I love it. And in terms of like uh, making that leap, so so now, so my company's called Venley Consulting. So uh, we've been in business now for, oh man, it's since uh, September now. T- time flew by. Time <laughs> flew by, right? It's been amazing. It. So, and, and it's been an amazing business. So actually like 90% of my business is through my digital program, right? Which has been awesome. So I've been, I actually have a, 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 a very cop. I uncovered in my last several roles, I would hire on average 20 to 30 people per year. I uncovered those 20 to 30 I would hire. Most of them were the best of the best, but they didn't have true good B2B sales training, right? And that meant the other 70 I didn't hire because we do about 100 interviews a year. Um, they definitely didn't have any training, right? <laughs> and when I was a sales manager and I would, I would interview like, I mean, my, my sales team, when I was a sales manager, my team, I grew from six reps to about 20 reps. And, um, and as a sales manager, I would interview about eight interviews per week, right? And a lot of them simply were not properly trained. So I built a comprehensive A to Z training, sales training, from everything from mindset to how to prospect, to how to use LinkedIn, to how to close, how to run a sales call, vocabulary, how to sell an enterprise deal, how to sell six, seven figure deals. It's all built as one comprehensive training has video modules, lessons, it has templates, math, it's all, it's all common. So if you don't, if you don't know anything or you know a ton, it's designed to take you from A to Z. So that's the majority of, of, of my business. And I also do like 10% of my business. I, I do like consulting and coaching one-on-one, right? Which, um, you know, it's a lot of fun as well, right? But uh, the business I've designed is allows me actually to work really anywhere, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very intentional, right? So like, there are certain things that I, like, I've been more resistant to doing. Like, for example, like I've turned away clients that have want to fly me to go train their team out in wherever. And I'll just say, no, like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not into that. Like, like I'm not into that because I can get other high paying clients where it's all virtual or through my digital program. Right. And the reason I'm doing this way very intentionally is I'm creating a business that allows me to be anywhere I want, do whatever I want. Right. Because um, I live that travel lifestyle. Right. I, I'm not about creating that same job again. Right. Like I was, I was literally trying, I was in a hotel room hundred plus nights a year. I was mm. always sick because I was always on a plane. Okay. Like I yeah. live a, I live a life away from my family and friends. Right. And it was great while I did it. And I don't regret a single moment, but I'm like my next move. I, I want to make sure I don't build my own prison, if you will. Right. I want to build a business where I can do whatever I want because I'm yeah. lazy like that. So, you know, no, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, you, you, <clears throat> I think for a lot of people in general, but maybe yeah. more so salespeople because we're in, on the side of the business that it, is revenue generating. Right. So yes. we're constantly kind of thinking about money and our money and compensation and commission. I think it's a really interesting thing to look at it and say, Hey, um, I'm going to, I mean, you've done it repeatedly throughout your career. I'm going to kind of take a step and be intentional and I'm going to, you know, take a lower role, but, um, but I know that the, 
trajectory is higher here. I'm going to step out on my own, but I'm not going to just take anything that comes uh, because I'm super scared and end up in a hotel room for a hundred nights in the next right. year. Right. So it's, it's really for so many of us, it's about getting away from trading time for money. You know, That's all it is, man. That's yeah. exactly what's interesting is, um, and I'll give you a little bit of framework, how this kind of came about where, um, about 2015 or so, right? At this point, I was starting to have some really good success at my new company and things were really popping. And I was, I, was, I was building this reputation in my company. And and people would always say, hey, Marcus, listen, you got to freaking write a book, dude. You got to write a book. You got to write a book. You got to write a book. I'm like, what am I going to write a book on? So um, I started looking. I'm like, I didn't want to um, deal with the logistics of, of doing actual books. So I'm like, let me write an ebook. So I wrote an ebook on how I got promoted 10 times in 10 years, okay? Because that's that the most common people always ask, how did you get promoted so many times? How are you able to, like, literally, like, like, we don't know how you are beating people out in interviews. We don't know how you're doing these things, right? Like, like how did you come into a company nine months in to get that role over people who <laughs> have 12 years experience in the yeah. same company? <laughs> so, um, because I have, a, I have a, a, a mathematical strategy that I run. So, um, so I wrote an ebook on how I got promoted, 10, like 15 tips, on how to get promoted 10 times in 10 years, right? So distribute that, build an online infrastructure to just distribute automatically. I didn't want to do Amazon because I want to maximize profits yep. and sold some copies, right? I'm like, oh crap, like it's very weird just to show, like to wake up like, oh, I got paid $9. It's not a lot, but like, I'm like, that's neat. Like your first <laughs> taste of, of not having to trade time for money. Right, yeah. I didn't need to be there. Yeah. That was very interesting, right? <laughs> so then from there, I'm like, because of, because of, I was fortunate to have really good success, very good income, life is very good, right? Doing very, very well, bunch of equity and all other things that was coming with me to, that came my call plan. I'm like, I cannot leave my career and life. Like, you have golden handcuffs. I, I got locked in. I can't leave this by $9 in ebook. Okay. Like there's no way, there's no way. Right. So, so I was researching online, learning internet marketing learning digital marketing, learning how to write copy, learn how to do all, teaching myself all these things, right? Yep. And this yep. is in between working 80 hours a week on planes and like living hotel rooms and my newborn kid. So, and then, so then from there, so I figured out digital courses. I'm like, hmm, what could I do about? That's why I decided on that course. I built a very rough version. I did a very soft launch back in March, right? Mm -hmm. uh, March this past year, uh, launched it. Sold some copies, right? And this is a high ticket item. I'm like, I can do this. Mapped it out, how my business is gonna look, you know, once I left. Wanted to make sure that I, I, I had presence club in August. I wanted that trip. I had a bunch of stock I was gonna invest in July. I wanted that stock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also I wanna wait for the earnings call to hit, uh, which is like the, the third week of September. So literally third week of September, I'm out, boom. Got everything I wanted, I'm out. So um, it was, there was a strategy behind it, right? And then also, um, because I had the confidence of already testing, I had proof of concept, right? I had shown people were willing to pay me something for my skills. Yeah. And that gave me confidence knowing I can leave and go get it right now. And I also know, like, if I get on a, on a call with someone for coaching, like, here's the thing. I charge a lot for coaching because when people do what I tell them, they get results. Like there's, there's like, everything's very tactical. Like I, I don't BS me. I'm like, I'm like, stop doing this. 
do this, say this, <laughs> change this, don't change this. Yeah. They do it, results immediately. That's just what happens. So I charge a high dollar for that, right? So I'm also very selective about my clientele. Yeah. So someone's like, hey, Marcus, like, can you coach me? I can only afford this. I'm like, hey, listen, that sounds great. Here's my blog, bunch of free stuff in there. Like, until you're able to afford this, like, when you can, when you can afford it, you're dead serious about results. And when, when you're dead serious about results, you do it and your life changes. That's what happens. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. And it's a very super important thing that you've mentioned, this strategic way of leaving corporate America and starting your own business. Yep. It's not you wake up one day and I'm out. I mean, like, some yeah. people do that. Some people do that and, and some people see success, but right. you know, the way of, all right, let me just kind of soft launch this, see what the reception is. I'm not going to even make a big deal about it. Yeah. I'm still working my nine to five. I'm That's still, and, and, and along the way, if this thing picks up and it's a great, it's a great like kind of mental place to be in too, because you're still crushing it at your job. You right. still have that going. Um, and you can kind of say, well, if this doesn't work, then I'll just try something else. And I'm, I haven't like put my family's, uh, you know, livelihood, yeah, comfort at, at, at risk or anything like that. And, and then to be smart about, all right, let me invest some of this stock and even give yourself more of a like cushion, a cushion. So you don't have to take shitty clients. I can't tell right. you, you know, to hear that, that you've got this mindset and that you're this choosy, and it's been since September is fantastic, right? Because you're Always never amazing. going yeah. to be in a position where you've, you know, built a business that ends up becoming your own prison, right? I mean, it's completely yes. of your own design and that's the whole point. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, and not everyone's going to be uh, as, as methodical, but it's just being really intentional, right? Yeah. It's really anything. If you don't want to be an entrepreneur, it does not matter. Whether you are a self-professional, an SDR, BDR, mm -hmm. AE, it does not matter by being intentional with what you want, right? And for me, um, this, is what, this is how I thought about it, right? I remember, and this is, I, do, I, do, I write goals, et cetera. And I remember looking at myself. So my goal was uh, I wanted to retire at 40, right? That was my goal, retire at 40 and uh, leave corporate America, right? So I did it at 35 instead. So, um, <laughs> but my goal is 40, right? Like, my goal is 40. I was, like, I was ready for that shift. But, like, I'm like, but I remember sitting down with myself and thinking to myself, in order to accomplish this goal, what skills do I need to develop now for later? And that was real, that's a really important question to ask yourself if you're listening. The audience is, where do you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now? And what skills do you need to develop now to get there? Because you, you cannot wait till you get in that role to get them. Right? So, yeah. for example, I knew I want to build an online business. Right. And I'm still learning. I'm not perfect by any, I'm still learning, but I started learning five years ago because I'm like, what skills do I need to learn? Like, how do I set up like, you know, a PayPal deal? How do I automate payments? How do I market? How do I write copy? How do I get clients? How do I get traffic? How do I do this? I didn't know any of these things. Literally my skill was learn how to sell online. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like then I'm like, okay, let me like, then I was like, okay, how, I need to learn how to um, uh, write copy right? Like me writing on LinkedIn, the way I write is not an accident. Yeah. Because I've been practicing for years. Mm -hmm. I've been practicing with Instagram, social selling, you know, with Facebook and testing and seeing what works. And then 
when I tra start transitioning to LinkedIn, observing very closely on who is getting traction, right? Yep. And it's and here's reality: like when 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 you're writing like you know those type of posts, you they're of value, but also more importantly, I don't care about vanity metrics. I really don't care how many likes or comments I get. Well, I really care about what's the impact I'm making, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like how many of those are actually converting to leads to ultimately a business down the road, right? At the end of the day, that's what social sales is really about, okay? Like, and understand it's really, really important, you know? So, mm -hmm. but I need to learn those skills up front and I'm still working. I'm still getting better every single day by testing it. I'll write a post. I'll look at the analytics. I'll take a look. You know what? That didn't go well. I didn't, like, hey, this video was going really well. Why did it go well? This post mm -hmm. went really well. Why did it go well? It was how I wrote it. Was it the content? Was it the story? What was it, right? Yeah. So there's an art. Just like anything else, when you, uh, you, when you work at it, you become better by practice, Yeah. right? Yeah. No, and I think it, like you said, it starts with the intention, right? It's, it starts it. that far back. I love that, man. Um, so before I let you go, I need to make sure that I ask you for one sales tip that the audience can use when they get done listening to the episode here, man. Mm, beautiful. Okay. So one really, really uh, simple sales tip. And, and this tip I'm going to share, it's only because uh, I know we have a lot of SDRs probably on the call listening, right? And um, the most frustrating thing, for, I think, for the SDRs, you, do, you bust your tail, you finally book that appointment. You are high-fiving yourself and your buddies around you. And then come that day, they no-show you. Mm. That's the worst. Okay. So I'm going to teach you a very simple technique. I call it the hypnotist, the hypnotist. It's very simple. Okay. So it's going to sound kind of weird as I explain it, but when I go through it, it'll make more sense. But essentially you're going to say the date and time like five to seven times before you hang up, but you're not going to just say it over and over and over. The mistake many people make is they say, okay, James, see you Thursday at eight. They're like, cool. See ya. Boom. That's they're off. So you, you confirm the date and time. You've already handled their objections. Okay, cool. So now you say, this is how you wrap it up now. This is where you insert the hypnotist. You say, okay, hey, so James, hey, looking forward to seeing you Thursday at eight. If anything pops between Thursday at eight, let me give you my cell. Do you have a pen handy? They're going to say, sure. Great. They grab a pen. Okay. So again, you know, Marcus with Venley Consulting. My number is 541, da, 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 da. Again, 541, da, da, da. Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you Thursday at 8. If anything pops up, pops up between now and Thursday at 8, just give me a call. call. Does that sound good? Great. Also, just to be super organized here, let me get your email address as well, and I'll send you over an invite for Thursday at 8, in case you didn't already have it, right? Or if you already do have it, just say, hey, just, just make sure I got your email right. Is this the right email? Perfect. I'll send you an email for Thursday at 8. And just to be super efficient, aside from yourself, is there anyone else that needs to be part of this meeting to move the meeting forward if you love what I show you on Thursday day? They're super gonna say, powerful. They're like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just me or I got I to gotta bring Johnny. Great. Let me also get Johnny's email as well. Cool. Awesome. I'll send you guys both the invite. Looking forward to seeing you on Thursday day in case Annie pops up. Either email me back or give me a call. Sound good? Great. Awesome. See you Thursday day. Boom. If you notice there, I did that literally probably eight, nine times, right? You don't have to do that to that level. Yeah. But what happens is when you hear something seven times, you are more likely to remember it, right? Now, most, most of our, you may not get to that level immediately to say that many times, like it making it sound normal.
but yeah. it helps. No, yeah. yeah, it's super powerful because I think what I've experienced this on the phones, you get super jazzed up, you book this meeting, and you're just feeling like, man, I'm just so happy that they picked up the phone, they let me speak to them, and they're going to take a meeting. I'm just going to get off the phone and kind of let you kind of let them off the hook a little bit by Ooh. saying like, okay, yeah. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll just send you an invite for Thursday at eight. All right. Bye. You know, and then that's it. Right. And you don't, when, when, when really I've found there's sometimes that I've done that and I like legitimately have the wrong email address and then mm -hmm. I got to call them back and be annoying to oh, yeah. them. And then it kind of makes it weird and you feel even worse about yourself. Right. When you take that approach, you know, not only is it kind of, and, and I love the, the, the kind of way you frame it of, of just like hearing it over and over again. It, it's obviously good for you as the salesperson, but it's also as a courtesy, like I'm going to be, I'm a professional. I'm very That's organized. Right. I'm, I, I want to make sure that we're on the same page here. And, and you're setting a tone really for the rest of the sales engagement. That's fantastic. And, and 100%. I don't think we talk about that enough of, for SDRs. Like what kind of tone are you setting for the AE to pick up or, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I love that approach, man. That's fantastic, dude. Uh, yeah. The hypnotist, try it out. And what's killer about that move is uh, number one, you feel better as a rep. You're like, okay, I feel so much better. Cause two things happen. Number one, I confirmed it, right? Which even if they have to reschedule, which totally is fine, at least it's a reschedule versus a no-show. Yep. Now you have some rapport going, which is awesome. Yep. And then, uh, you know, number two, you also qualified again. Mm -hmm. Very subtly qualified, right? You're just, mm -hmm. you're just making sure. So now you not only are you confirming that appointment, now you're increasing your closing ratio, mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of powerful pieces. And it's just that, and I, did, I liked it that way, explaining in between. But that takes you literally 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 seconds to really lock in, put the nail in the coffin, if you will, to really lock in that appointment and get yourself set up to win that appointment. I love it, man. So last question I have to ask you, being that you know, you're a man that really can do whatever he wants nowadays, what is your favorite place to eat lunch, Marcus? You know, what's, uh, what's crazy is, um, so... I, I, I eat at home a lot, right? I think I, I think I heard it on I think uh, with Ryan Ryan's interview. I'm yeah, like I'm yeah. like I eat at home. So even um even when I was traveling, do all these things, I would actually always like pack my lunch, right? Even when I was working in, in an office, I would always bring my lunch, okay? And the, the reason was simply this, right? Um, I, I know some people want to take the hours to kind of do their own thing, but for me, um, I knew if I could eat lunch in like 10, 15 minutes and just get back at it. That could trim off time I need to work later on, right? Yeah. Because I want to be able to, uh, whether it's go to the gym or you know, hang out with family or friends. And to me, that's really valuable, right? It's much more valuable for me. Now, obviously, if it's a lunch meeting with people, it's very, very different, right? With coworkers. Sure. Like, so, but now, I'll, I'll tell you, my, my, favorite, my, my favorite lunch now is I make a smoothie for lunch. It's just, I'm a smoothie guy. Okay, right? what's so, in the smoothie? Clue so it's pretty in. simple. It's, about a, it's a cup of frozen blueberries, okay? I have half a cup of a Bob's Red Mill gluten-free oats. Okay. All right. Got it. Delicious. Uh, I have a scoop of a Peace Science Vanilla Indulgence uh, protein powder. It's a, it's a vegan protein powder, right? Love it. I'm doing kind of this vegan thing. So, yeah. um, and then, uh, let's see, what else do I put in there? I put a, a whole banana and a whole avocado. Boom. That's it. It's like it's high power, fills you up, gets you going, right? Takes you 
three takes me three minutes to make, and then eat it real quick. Boom. And I, I, I'm not one of those guys. I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to drink it and work. I'll sit there and like just chilling, <laughs> just being present, right? Being present, being yep. zen with my smoothie, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then I'm back at it. I'm just recharged now. I'm mentally fresh. I'm ready to go crush the rest of my day. Yeah. No, I love that, man. So there, there's the recipe. I don't know. You might have to like name that smoothie now and and publish a recipe for it because that sounds oh, like a pretty. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it, man. Look, Marcus, I've I've had a fantastic time speaking with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and for anybody who wasn't already connected with you, how can they find you and reach out to you and connect with you and continue to learn from you, man? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. So um, uh, on LinkedIn, it's just Marcus Chan, MBA. You'll see it says Speedos on the tagline. They're, as of right now, it's the only Marcus with Speedos on the tagline as of right now. So that could change. That's fantastic uh, SEO. Just, just so you know, right? It's great <laughs> SEO, really. So uh, stands out, right? So uh, also, if you go to uh, salesninjaschool.com, Tons of free resources in there. Salesinterschool.com. I got free trainings. There's a link to my blog in there. So I literally have hundreds of articles I've written over the last four years piled in there. There's videos. There's a bunch of free content there as well. So um, it. that's a great resource there. There's free trainings on there too. So salesinterschool.com or find me on LinkedIn. We can do either, both. Does not matter. At Marcus Chan MBA. So fantastic. Thank you so much, man. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 66 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.